60 minutes and um, sound check please in chat if you can hear us um, today we'll be talking about language isolates um, with examples such as Basque in Europe can you hear us please um, and what else we're going we're actually going around the world uh, it, the it really time. is all around the world for once yeah, um, yeah so Basque I, I looked at Nivk which is a weird one far out in Siberia so far, and then um, I'm not yeah I knew in northern Japan. I knew in northern Japan, which is actually pretty near to Nivki. Yeah, uh, it's Nivki. like it's part of like it's part of like they intermixed quite often. Yeah. Um. Although it's it's kind of like a surprising amount of isolates right yeah. in that one kind Area. of slot. Um, just about forty. Like, kind of like Bermuda Square of like a <laughs> Korean, just Nivka, Japanese, yeah. and the thing is, is Korean actually a isolate? Some people believe it is. Some people believe it is. I'd say it is. Um. We're. I think we are. That's one of those open-ended questions we have at the end because like. We have this, uh, or even just now, because like, it was like these languages that were once considered um, isolate, but then it's like, okay, well, their dialects count, so really they're just a self-contained yeah. language family, no longer an isolate, which is a bit of like, I feel, I feel like that must be annoying if you're like from um, one of those, you're like, oh, my language is special, and it's like, yeah. no, you're basically being told like linguists that it's not. Um, so te- technically, Ainu is, Ainu is a language family. Yeah, exactly. It's which is annoying, almost like, I'd, yeah. ra- I'd rather there be more isolates than not. Less. Yeah. And it's funny enough that, like, most, I don't know what it says about Europe that there's only one in Europe, whereas there's, like, easily a dozen each in yeah. every other continent. Even in Australia, like, okay. I think it's because, like, remote, like, remoteness, though. Because, mm-hmm. like, Siberia is remote, and that's where you get half of them. And then you get yeah. South America and, Papua like, New Guinea, and, yeah. and, like, yeah, Papua, like, Papua New Guinea has, like, 820 like, languages. It's, like, the, the really mecca of languages. Like yeah, it's, like, 800 languages for, like, something the size of Ireland. Yeah. Or, no, I'd, I'd say it's a bit bigger. bigger, than bigger, bigger. Like, I'm looking at I'm looking at that, that big map, but you know, Mercator projection. Mercator projection. Yeah. What else are we talking about? We're talking about um, we had oh, there were like two more words that I actually wanted to just go into. Remember, I did that last week. Oh yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I, I'll, I'll let, let you go off. On I haven't this I haven't looked at any new ones. This is just research I did last week, and I was like, uh, oh yeah, fair enough. Um, the first one was chinchilla, which I failed to go into last week. I'm pretty sure. Um, it's taken straight from South America. The Spanish just stole it, just like they stole South America. Um, it's either they're not sure if it's Bolivian or Peruvian descent. That'd be Aymara or Quechuan, Quechuan, Q U E C H U A N languages. Um, in the 1700s, when they, I think they like first pro- properly like discovered the animal. Um, and I think there was a book uh, by this guy like Gil Vicente or something like that, and he like he like went to South America, but then he wrote like a novel about. The, the Spaniards in South America, and he he his is like one of the first recorded usages of, um, his of the word chinchilla, um, especially in a sense that wasn't like related to like just 
biology and yeah. like, so, uh, like, uh, like studies of like animals and stuff. And then the last one was uh, lollygagging, which uh, we were talking about last week, but I never got to mention it. Was uh, It's just taken straight from Irish. It came from um, Irish immigrants, post-famine immigrants into America in the 1860s. And it comes straight from like la, li, gaig, or gaiga. Um, which just means, which just means, it, like it means the same in Irish as it did as it does in English, which it just means like an idler, a do, or to dawdle, uh, or to mess around. Um, and then like la li is just to like half lie or like recline, and then gaig is just like a youth. So literally means it like reclining youth. Um, also known as a loiterer or a loiterer. These damn youths. Um. Anyways, and now onto the stuff that we actually researched for this week. We, where where do we want to start? We actually didn't do like a structure for this yeah, episode. You can't really do a structure for it. You know, yeah, there's no real yeah. order. So okay, we're looking at Basque. We're looking at Nicaraguan sign language. We're looking. Well, we at, got Liam Neeson. To we got Liam Neeson to tell us all about it. that. Yeah. Uh, we actually have an yeah. Screw you, we lads. We got a better interview than your. Uh, we got an interview with Liam Neeson. <laughs> and then uh, we have. Uh, I think it's like. Um, Mapuche or Mapudogan in a kind of like on the border between Chile and uh, Argentina, yeah. Um, which is a really like unfortunate language because of how little government support it's given. Then finally we have, um, what was the last one? Oh, is it? Yeah, the one France was talking about. Um, oh, like a sandwich. Yeah, yeah. yeah France yeah. was talking about it. Yeah, we got an interview with another guy called Franz. Uh, the goat. Snake bite one. Um, yeah, le- like legend of the Namibian desert. Um, in in a, obviously in Namibia, one might you might be led to believe. Um, and then that's pretty much all we've got today. So, um, do you want to start with Basque or something like that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, like Basque is an interesting one because it's the only, like it's the only language isolate left in Europe, at least like political Europe, geographical. Because technically, there's one in uh, Armenia. But yeah. we're gonna we're gonna count geographical Europe. But that is Indo-European, isn't it? Yeah. No, actually, I, I believe it's not Indo-European, which is weird. But it could be. I didn't get into oh, Yeah, I didn't go into enough research about that. But in terms of Basque, it's still spoken in the Basque. It's called the Basque country, Basque region, which is majority in Spain and then a small piece uh, in the, in like in southern France. Um, but it's 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 spoken by about seven hundred thousand people, but. At the same time, that that's quite small compared to like just about three or four million people that live in the Bla- in the Basque country. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's a minority. It's only about 27 percent of the population. That's because it, it, it was it was quite heavily it was banned during Franco's reign. Yeah. So that kind of killed off a lot of people that spoke Basque. Linguists hate Franco. And they also really, yeah. Everyone else should do as well. I think we all but, should. Um, and like what what might make it like unique apart from its maybe origin. Or even just start on Well, actually, like in terms of it, it's like grammar. I think it's one of the only languages to use this thing called the ergative case. What is that? The ergative case. Yeah, it's made up yeah I had never heard of the ergative case either. Basically, apparently, what the ergative case is is practically that when a noun becomes the subject uh-huh. of a sentence. Yeah. So if it's the if it's like the first thing. Yeah. If it's the first thing in the sentence. Yeah. Then it takes a separate. It looks different. Ending yeah, yeah. In the, with the thing called, called... But it's like, it's split into two because you got, it uses the ergative case and the absolutive case. Yeah, and yeah. like, there's this thing called a transitive verb. Oh, stop. I did not go into this other... I don't know what to do. Like, I was... I, I <laughs> No, but it's just... It's split... It's just something that you don't see in other European languages. And Thank just, God. Like, yeah, and it just go And basically, it gives you separate endings just depending on what... Like, where in the sentence yeah, yeah. you put the noun. Yeah. Um, And then also in terms of how it sounds, it doesn't sound... Like, the thing is... 
because the ba- majority of Basque speakers are in Spain, they have that yeah. very soft kind of Spanish way yeah, of yeah. Th- talking about things, <laughs> and it just it makes it sound like Spanish. Like to somebody that doesn't no speak racismo. Spanish, yeah, no racismo whatsoever here. But um, like when you hear somebody, at least to a non-Spanish speaker, when you hear someone speak Basque from Spain, yeah. it can sound a lot like Spanish. Like you would, you'd, you'd be led to believe it's Spanish. Yeah, just because yeah, it's yeah. the same when we did or when I listened to Breton, but like people with French yeah. accents, it, it just, just sounded like, like French because yeah. you didn't know. You, can't, when you, like, you can't tell the difference between when you it. don't have like a basis so yeah. you just have the base sounds yeah um so that's like um but it's like when you properly read basque you start to realize it's not like anything else you see in europe and there's yeah. five different things basque has five different dialects, dialects yeah. yeah and it's like so it's spread out you have one in so you have this thing called you have western basque called bizca what is it biz <laughs> i can't even like bizcuian biz uh, it's a tough way. one. It's, it's a tough one to kind of translate from like writing it to speak. Yeah, and then you got Gibbs. Uh, you got you got Gipuzkoan, Gipuzkoan, which is like Central Basque. You got yeah. Upper um, Navarrese. Oh yeah, because Na- it's, yeah, al- so it's also spoken in Navarro in, or Navarro in Spain. Navarro's in Nevada. I'm pretty sure. So yeah. And um, then you got uh, you got this thing called Navarro Laportian, which is another dialect. Right. And then you got Sulutan, which is spoken in France. France, with France people, yeah, very yeah. few people still and speak like, that. Even though that. France, I think we talked about this before, maybe just regards to like the Celt or Breton in France. So it was like, um, even though like France didn't have the excuse of a fascist dictator for like screwing their own languages, they they're still pretty, managed to screw their own. Languages. Yeah, they're they're pretty repressive against other non like o- like Occitan, yeah, Basque, yeah. Breton. Everything kind of got screwed and over. One thing we were look, we were both looking at was like the origin of Basque, and it seems to have been. Unless you subscribe to this like theory that the Basques kind of snuck in, mm. it's like it's it's called like the late Basquization or something theory. Um, if unless you subscribe to that theory where they snuck in around like the 500 AD with all the Visigoths and the Goths and yeah. the Vandals and such like that, um, they must have been before everyone else. Yeah, and that's the theory that like, they came from. This the, the theory is that they probably came from this group, this language group called Aquitani, which is what the Romans called people in that region. So it makes more sense for them to have been there first and then and like. Similar, ba- similar languages to Basque having been all over mm-hmm. the Iberian Peninsula and then just got hemmed in and killed off because like the Basque is a very mountainous region mm-hmm. and remote region so it makes sense that it survived compared to other languages which were taken over by uh, uh, Latin and, and other Romance languages but because of like the different dialects of Basque they um, in like I think it was in the 60s yeah but probably in the 60s or mid 60s they kind of created this um, standardization of Basque called Euskara Euskara, yeah, yeah, Euskara, which kind of mixes everything into one, and that's what most Basque speakers would speak when speaking to each other, especially for people from different regions. regions yeah. But and so, I, I, like from from what I saw, is that kind of the different dialects of Basque are kind of kept amongst small communities for each other. Yeah. But then all signs people would yeah, probably speak the newer dialect. Dialect and all all signs are written in Euskara, which is. Um, which is like it, it's helped keep it alive though because yeah it's almost like you're kind of the price you have to pay if you yeah, want to keep your language alive exactly standardization but at the same time for it to be a language isolate that's pre-Indo-European so like six thousand years old yeah, at least a lot of resilience there like. for seven hundred thousand people to speak it as first like language speakers is a lot because mm-hmm. like not even Irish survive like yeah. that because it's not even like we like we treat like. We speak a Celtic as if it was the language that was destroyed by like Romance and Germanic languages, yeah. but re- realistically, it was most likely the Celtic languages which destroyed mm. all of Basque relatives, yeah, but like kind of brother and sister languages. Um, so we're all guilty. So like, like one of the few when I was reading about this, like very early like Basque history, 
um, you get like uh, these like this this tribe that the the Romans were like, oh, they must be Celtic. Um, mm. The Vascones, along with the Aquitani, as you said, and they were like, but it turns out they were they were there before the Romans. They were there before the Celts. Um, they even like had like I think it was like this Roman general Pompey set up the you know Pamplona in Spain. Yeah, that's um, but the the the, the Basque already had a name for the city, Arunia, which meant like the city. And even like nowadays, there's a city called Vitoria, but it's like Vitoria dash Gustej or something. Or something. Yeah, gonna, or you're going to hear a lot of assault, yeah. or somethings today. Um, because like that's the Basque name and the Spanish name, like side by side. Mm. Uh, the same with Pamplona. And yeah, and like, like naturally, Basque has a lot of loan words. Like the, the word for book is li, uh, Libro, which makes, which yeah. is li- evident from Libro. Yeah, from Libro. But at the same time, there's. There and there are some, for example, similar grammatical, or similar. It has grammatical similarities with some language groups. But naturally, there's only so much a language can develop. Yeah. But because, for example, it, it's very similar to Finnic languages. It puts the definite article at the end. Oh yeah, yeah. And it kind of it starts to create bigger and bigger words, just as Finnish does, and and other Finnic uh, Finnic group languages. Kind of agglutinative. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, I'm pretty sure it's no, not not polysynthetic, but there's another word. Or maybe it's just are they fusional. Or? Yeah, fusional. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's 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 an interesting language and one that's kind of created like a lot of controversy. I, there was a whole independence movement from the fifties to like two thousand eleven. Yeah. The whole terrorist group or freedom fighter group, we can't say that. Yeah, you know? yeah, we don't know. But um, so but I think like the whole independence movement's kind of died down in the last decade or so. Yeah, it seems to have taken a constitutional turn. Yeah, and like if Spain's not going to let Catalonia go, they probably won't let Basco. Although so. that was an interesting thing we were just talking about before we went live is that like arguably they. <laughs> They'd need Catalonia more, before they, yeah, more than they need the they don't really need. They don't need, well, Pamplona is probably the only big city they need exactly, there. But that's yeah, not even a Basque-speaking place anymore. It's so south in Basque that, like, most Basque speakers are up along the French border. Yeah, yeah. So Pamplona has less than 10% Basque speakers. Yeah. So it wouldn't even probably become part of the Basque. And, uh, like, when we were, like, looking around for these languages, it was, like, it was really difficult to find. It. Like, Basque is probably the one with the most Info about research. It, yeah. yeah. Um, like I, I only found I was able to find like one I found this one like story more than like a paper about um this language in Mali uh, called Bangmi right <laughs> <laughs> sorry is Aiden there the no, sure like, <laughs> um anyways and it's in it's in like central Mali um like Mali is kind of like L shaped and it's just kind of at like the it's weird it's kind of like the, the the narrowest point in between uh the two kind of like Big, big parts of yeah. Mali. Um, anyways, they're kind of like little like channels. I don't know if anybody here knows what the, the shape of Mali. Yeah. yeah, go look up. Um, anyways, got like three thousand five hundred speakers, um, and it's supposedly an anti-language. Um, at least that's what it was called. Although that maybe it was just trying to get funding. I was like, oh, we discovered something new. Um, but it's re- it was really interesting because uh, it's one of the most like geographically isolated um, parts of the world. Honestly, um, it's what you have to get like a two-day bus ride from Timbuktu to the place where they do like monthly donkey rides and that takes like a week <laughs> and and so this like American professor went out there and just like kind of stayed there for a couple of weeks and trying to like write down everything everyone was saying and they were just like laughing at her and um, in these seven villages in in the in central Mali and so central Mali is like dominated by this ethnic group called the Doan Dogon uh, D-O-G-O-N and um, and they were like as a like they're like there's maybe a million of those. So this is like a very small percent of like the Dugan people. Uh, only three thousand five hundred speakers, and um, like 
Bang me literally means like the secret language and the bangande, which is like the name for like the people is like the secret ones. And it re- like when she was researching, she realized that these villages um, back before they converted to Islam, they were like ha- havens for um, runaway slaves um, because the local like the, lo- the Islamic law didn't protect yeah. non-Muslims from slavery. Yeah. Um, especially from the other like big another big ethnic group called the Fulani and they're like caravans would often just like steal children and stuff like that and like the children would eventually like escape and they if they're lucky they make their make make their way to one of these like hidden mm-hmm. villages and even like if you look at where they live they live on these things called escarpments yeah. which are just like massive plateaus or like literally just on the top of like cliff edges and stuff um so they're really just like physically distant from like the rest of um, the Durand people and even like they apparently they feel kind of embarrassed leaving their town because they, they, they look different um, do they so is it technically an artificial language because they made it themselves no no it, like it, the thing is, is that it is one of those like what happened was like the ori- original like Dugan people um, most likely came like either like south from like kind of like Berber regions or uh, they came from like west western direction like towards like Burkina Faso and stuff um, for like Niger and they, because they were trying to run away from Islamization, yeah. um, and eventually they converted to Islam themselves. Most of them, uh, or uh, all of them at this point, but they still have like a lot of their ancient customs, um, and even like the Dogon people themselves are like they're almost like a bit of like a tourist attraction because mm-hmm. of how they like have like this unique um, architecture and fashion. Um, whereas, and it's most likely that these uh, Bagande were like, they were like. They wanted to, especially because they had these runaway slaves, they wanted to, like, keep their, like, almost, like, secret. They didn't want to be known to, like, just even exist. And so, this is a really interesting thing. They, these fellers. That's the Dugan people. Yeah. And then, yeah, you since you showed me pictures here. I'm like, they, they, they look pretty cool. That's they do, I'm not cool. going to lie. Yeah, I wouldn't be embarrassed um, if I thought things were cool. There's a guy with, like, a musket there was thought was pretty funny. He looks pretty scary. Um, <laughs> but he, um, the terminology literally means, like, the opposite of the translation. So, if something is white, the... The Bangami will call it black. Okay. And if something is like, like they were talking about like these like white skin white or white bark trees and these black bark trees, and they literally called them the reverse. Um, or sometimes they'd have words to specify something, so they'd like have a word for fence, and it was sand, right? And then they would never use that, especially around foreigners. Yeah. They would use uh the sticks that are in the ground that show where rice is. Um, or like they have words for sunglasses, but they just they use they use like so that, yeah. they use like black things to hide the eyes, or they use the, or the last one was cakes, and it was like they use instead they, they have a word for cakes, but instead they use powder that has been sweetened. Yeah, and it's it's just it's, it's almost like it's a really interesting way of like but excluding everyone else, and so that like when they go home they speak their own version. Of yeah, 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 they speak, and it's like so it's almost like built or like the, it's like built into them to like not to like. Don't kind of deceive everyone else yeah. with the with the words that they use. That's quite cool. Um, and they live in like this. Oh, I was trying to like. It's pretty like hard to research them because there's only like three thousand five hundred and like seven villages. Mm-hmm. Um, but like either they were there before the original Dogon people survived, even though they like grouped in with the earth not survived, migrated there, or they came with them and had managed to have like this un- unique language mm. that they managed to bring along with them. Um, and also the the, la- the last thing that I thought was really interesting about them is that. There's like these two classes in the villages, right? Mm. And it's like the original um, people who like helped provide like refuge for the slaves, and then the descendants of the slaves themselves. Yeah. And the original, let's say like the the like let's say like the refugees or like the natives, the refugees speak like 
you know how like let's say someone who's learning English would say like uh or even like a child would be like what's like it's like brang instead of brought yeah because brang makes sense yeah. if you if you are like catched instead of caught yeah. um and I see the refugees and like their descendants it's almost like you speak it's almost like a they have their own secret even more secret yeah, version. yeah yeah it's like it's like they speak they they basically they just have like a history of having basically bad grammar yeah um if you're uh, if you're like a descendant of one of the refugees because the like let's say the original or like the native uh, Bangabi people or Bangan they they never really shared it with you yeah they only you only got to notice it when like they said something different to you what's well, so the escaped slaves have bad grammar the, yeah, yeah exactly so yeah. um and which is like indicative of like people who had to learn language yeah. in adulthood yeah or had to learn a second. Um, and it was really I, I was like there was like one paper on it from like 2017 and I was like this is like if, they, if you want to know what like the forefront of linguistics is this is it um, and I think the last thing was there is like some like unique architecture like a lot of their fashion and stuff is this, and religious practices are the same as like isn't Timbuktu where they have like the kind of sand thing with the wooden sticks in the side of it like probably yeah that yeah. kind of architecture yeah so the architecture is like quite there's like some unique examples of architecture of like the people these people called the Telum people, um, which literally means I think in Dugan, like those who came before us. Um, so, anyways, I think everyone got to look at that. I couldn't actually find any because of this type of like. Yeah, exactly. You see, it's like in the hills. Yeah, and it's like, it's like built into the landscape. Sorry, yeah. Ethan's looking up, showing me pictures. Um, and it's like really like, it's like almost like we we don't want to be seen. Yeah. Um, and then what else is there? Um. That I couldn't find any language clips on that because of just it's so secretive. It, it's almost so recently discovered. Yeah. And um, only in the last maybe like five, ten years have there been probably there been proper research into it. Um. But now maybe we could talk about we could we could say hello to Liam Neeson. Oh yeah, um, actually yeah. Other, do you want to play the full six minutes? Why not? Give our or give my voice a rest, anyways. Or we can go to France. What do you what do you think? I think though I think France. Okay, France. Talk, not France. Not France. Not France. France, but France, the German. Though. France, the German. Should we probably just... explain the whole language though? Before okay, we talk okay, about yeah, it. that's a good idea. Um, so Sandaway. Um, ooh, Sandaway sounds good. I like the. I like the musician the, yourself. Yeah. Um, sixty thousand speakers, Tanzania, Rift Valley, Bish Bosh Bosh. It's like it's the clicking language that. Yeah, but I think that's what we would notice. Exactly, it's a clicking language. Um, unlike. It's not really related. Like a lot of people were like, "Oh, like Kosa, like that's like those like Southern African languages are very like n- like famous for like the clicking noises that they make." Um, but in East Africa, it's pretty rare. Mm. Um, there's very rare. There's only very like three instances of languages that actually use clicking sounds mm. at all. Kind of like the only the only instance of us using it is like as we were saying earlier, uh, for a like, clip clop of horses. Um, so. The fact it's in like an Eastern or like it, it's almost like a new sound that like none of the rest of the East Africa, like regular Tanzanian languages, they don't, just don't use. Um, and it, it might be related. I was like looking at like it, like it could be related. It's again, it's like the situation where like, there's not enough research into these at all, but it might be related to um, these like Congolese languages, I think, with languages like the Great Lakes. Um, but in East Africa, it was it was very rare um, to have that kind of clicking sound, and you're going to hear it now from our boy Franz. Oh, there was a problem playing the audio file. Thanks, Google. And download, please. All right, well, we're going to have to wait a minute. Here we go. Open show and finder. You know, it's worth it, guys. Don't worry. Open my 
quick time player. I'm just going to turn us down. Snakebite, but most impressively, Franz knows 11 languages fluently. Kavango, Kwangari, Bunza, Sambiu, Viriku, Kwanyama, Tamara, Nama, Herero, Himba, Afrikaans, and English. Today he's going to tell us about his mother tongue, the San dialect, also known as Bushman language, or as my ears tell me, the clicking language. If I greet you, how are you? You have to say, I'm fine. Yeah, nothing. Go. <laughs> Nama, Damara, they have four different clicks. And Bushman, seven. Seven different clicks. I noticed that France's clicking language is reflected in the way that he communicates by using sound effects with his hands and mouth. Keep running again, the city number of the where they're just jumping out. How bizarre is that? Today is the first and last time I'll meet someone like France, and it's been a very special experience. Thank, Thank you, man. You. Thank you. Um, so that was Franz, the actual, you didn't get to hear um, the fact that he lives, has lived in the desert his entire life. Um, as a snake boy. He's a snake boy. Um, what else is there? He speaks like 11 languages. Yeah, no, I think they did get that. I, mean, I think the 13 or something like that. I, I, may, I may sure to be like, yeah, this guy's pretty cool. Yeah, what we all really should aim to be is like, a, that's good, that's good actually drawing of Mali. I don't know, from it's memory. It's a narrow, narrower gap. I know, I know, I know, I know. And it sticks down at the bottom. But um, like, you know, we'll get, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, Actually, half the size of what you think. But anyways, um, Sandaway, again, what a great name for a language. Um, that was a really interesting one, just because of like how unique the sounds were of it, and especially because remember we did the uh, phonetic alphabet. It was. I'm pretty sure there was no. There was no click. In the there phonetic. was no click in that language or in that alphabet. There like was. It sounds weird to us, but when you think about it, it is just another sound that people make, and like that's what our English language is. It's just random sounds put together, and. I don't think there's any clicking languages outside of Africa that we know of. Yeah, maybe we'll dig into that for next week. Could be wrong though. Um, so that was that was um. You usually hear that in like Southern African languages, but we. I was gonna say um, it's it's interesting that like they we have like let's say the trill mm. in or the tr was like the flip was like the flip flap or something. Sorry, I'm naming like these FIFA skill moves. <laughs> um, what was the, the, it? Was the the, of the no, no, no. Remember there was like in the IPA there was like yeah. the, there was like the trill and then there was like the single. Yeah. It was like the trip chopper. <laughs> flip flop, flip flop. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, it was interesting how they had that, which is also quite rare, but maybe obviously in Spanish, mm. Eurocentric, it kind of adds up. Um, tap flap, there we go. We have. Is that our helpful linguist in chat? No, Nick It is. Oh, Nick is here. Yes. Oh, that's the rest yeah, of it. Um, genius. But really, they should be adding the uh, this one. I wonder what... So I'm just going to try to find out what part of the mouth this is in. What, the flap? Like the front? That's kind of the front, isn't it? It's just behind your teeth. No, it's like the top of your mouth, center. But you like you go you go from top to bottom. I don't know. We'll get Anika. Anika knows this. Anika can tell us. We, need to, we need to add a new part to the IPA, anyways. Yeah. Um, the like click flick or something like that. Some of the fun sound there. Um, and then we also had. But do we have like the rest kind of like the Siberian? Oh yeah, we we'll do sign language at the end. I think sign language at the end. Yeah. Okay. We'll do sign so, language at the end. Like. Where where you find the biggest other concentration of um, where you find the biggest other concentration of uh, language isolates will be kind of will be in Siberia. Although at the same time Siberia is like the least linguistically like diverse region, mm -hmm. I think it was, or 
because it's so big and there's so few people there, but it's like, as you, you always find these small different languages, like even like as we were talking about, we, we talked about Finno-Ugric, you'll find, yeah. sorry, Kanti and Mansi. When you go over like really deep into Siberia, you'll find a, a group of language isolates spoken by um, different um, native, uh, native tribes. And a lot of them are located just around like kind of the edge near uh, the, Ar the Arctic Ocean or near the uh, Pacific Ocean. So you'll find... So the ones we looked at, at least I looked at Ainu, which is a language in northern Japan, which used to actually surprisingly be the biggest language in northern Japan. So everyone always thinks that, well, let's talk about Ainu, actually, because Ainu is yes. basically spoken. It's, it's, the, it's the, like when you think of Japan, it's like this three, like the big island, the, the like small island. island at the bottom, and then the really big one on top, yeah. kind of hanging off the edge. And it is, like that, is that not just called uh, Ainu, like the island maybe? No, that's Hokkaido. Hokkaido. Oh. Yeah, so Hokkaido is like the largest, like they're not, not the largest island, it's the second largest island in it's like the head of the island, yeah, if you imagine that, like Yeah, it's the top of Japan. And, but there was spoken, see, that's, that's the thing is why Ainu is now considered a language family. It's no longer considered a language on its own. Mm -hmm. um, because you had Hokkaido Ainu, and then you had Sakhalin Ainu, which was spoken on Sakhalin Island, just north of Japan. Yeah. And then you had uh, the Kuril, Kuril Ainu. Oh, yeah, those are Kuril um, Ainu. Yeah, and like Kuril, no, Sak I think it was, yeah, Kuril Ainu went extinct in the 1960s. And... Uh, Sakhalin uh, Ainu went extinct in the 90s so there's only Hokkaido Ainu left but there's only officially two speakers left of it really? there's only two speakers no there's like 40,000 Ainu people who, which are ethnically very different to normal Japanese or kind of like to standard Japanese yeah, yeah. but at the same time there's only about two people there's only two or three people left that speak uh, Ainu but there are still like in on Hokkaido you'll find a lot of street signs that still have things written in Ainu yeah. which is strange because it's like a different alphabet or anything you know no that's the interesting thing is that the fact that it uses the modern japanese alphabet uses letters from ainu from the oh, ainu really? alphabet which influenced it. i think it's like one of the old names for japan was an ainu letter um and what they did was but the thing is Jap japanese or standard japanese uses a grammatical system and a linguistic system where it doesn't where like and like every syllable starts in every syllable will start with a consonant and has to end with a vowel, but Ainu can end in a consonant. But that yeah. the thing is, the Japanese writing system just doesn't allow for that. Yeah. So what they had to do is they just what they did is they just take a Japanese uh, like letter and then they just make it smaller or they take out a line from it to then kind of signify their new letter. But at the same time, it turns out that a lot of modern Japanese letters are originally old Ainu letters. Okay. But it was basically it was kind of forced into extinction when kind of Japan unified under one empire and yeah. standard Japanese became, became, widespread, became yeah. widespread. And then the Soviets kind of killed off... The Kirill and yeah, Sakhalin. Yeah, which is kind of natural. The Soviets killed off a lot of languages and they, they, they killed them off pretty quickly. Between them and Franco, like yeah. the French. But I know it's still a very interesting language because it's still not linked to standard Japanese either. Despite is, the fact that the people live side by side yeah. for... And Ainu wound up in some letters in the writing system wound up influencing normal like standard Japanese. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that that's Ainu. And you're also looking at was it Nivka? Nivka. Nivka. Yeah, I think the, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's called Nivka or Nivka. And that's basically on the northern part of Sakhalin Island, Island, which was oh, which was originally which now all part of Russia. But at the time it was kind of half and half. Oh, okay. That's why Ainu. You had Ainu on the southern on the southern part of Sakhalin Island because that was ja under Japanese control, and then you had Nivka uh, in the Russian part. Which and, and Nivka is a very interesting language because it, although it's a language isolate, its grammatical evolution is most similar to the Celtic languages, which is very strange considering they're the opposite side of the world. 
and they also use a very well they also use this weird system of mixing numbers and nouns to kind of identify each noun differently so if you're talking about i wrote it down here so like the word for two boats is called mim and like the word for two bunches of dried fish is called mare and then it's called and then like you get uh merax is two thin flat objects and they just take loads of nouns and then add the amount of like the amount of them and they force it into one word which is very unique and and like and basically, that it, it, they're not sure why it developed to become that, but they believe, like, there are some theories to do with, well, oh, it's, it's isolation, and there were so few words, and, like, it's their, their linguistic word pool, word pool was so small that they kind of yeah. had to develop, do, yeah, yeah deve like, make do own. and develop into their own thing. Um, and then there's, there's a language just north of... Um, the Chuck yeah, Cheese. Yeah, Chuck <laughs> Cheese, the, the Chukchi language, which is... Most famous for being, well, its most famous attribute is the fact that it worked in when talk, when you talk about plurals of objects, it works differently to. This is a yeah. Yeah, it works differently to pretty much any other language because the word I had, for example, was the word for bell, which is called weni wen, in um in <laughs> in Chukchi. but when you talk about bells, like the plural of bells, it's just called weni. So you, or weni. You're saying it's almost like it's a reverse. So the plural is the single. Because in in English you'll have a the word. Plural is shorter than this. Yeah. Because yeah. like in in English you'll always add on. Well, usually for most words you'll add on an ending to yeah. signify. You'll, you'll never really take anything yeah. away usually. Yeah, in but it's like it's like as if for the word like food or like not car, instead of having cars as plural, just car would become. Yeah. Or even yeah. like cars is the singular and then yeah. car is the plural. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry. That yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah, so yeah. it's like it's a very strange language. There's no very. I don't. I didn't see any other languages that do the same. Mm -hmm. Probably are other extinct Siberian languages which have that. Yeah. And then also there was another to do with like um, back to Nivk. It's like one of the only languages where you have to differentiate. Like so as we were talking about rolling the oars last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that like you have to differentiate between roll like rolling your rolling like the oar like ar and then ar. It's kind of like a low level. It's like, see, I can't really, like, I can yeah. only slightly tell the difference yeah. between that. So it's like one where you kind of have your mouth open and then one where you kind of, it's like a closed mouth rolling tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the only languages that does that. Yeah, yeah. That's like, interesting how, like, like, I, I don't, I don't really get how, like, let's say, like, Sp like Spanish is like the only yeah. European language which has managed to have, like, a, a trail. You know what I mean? Like, um, really, like, where is French? Finnish. True. But not Indo-European. And Swedish. Again. Swedish does it. I don't know. I just feel like it. I think most of them, a lot of them do. Well, German does its own thing, which is good at all. But Swedish, you roll the tongue. Although, that, I get that, guess that does depend on yeah, the yeah. accent. But yeah, no, Swedish rolls the tongue. Really? Interesting. I've never seen it. You're very Anglo centric over here. Plus yeah. Irish, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. Irish is just lots of and H's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, then, before we get on, like, sign language would be like the kind of. The last one. The pied de resistance, the back, you know what I mean? Like, the last, like, 15 minutes. Um... But one, the two things I want to talk about before then was, um, was Mapuche in South America, and then also this kind of like crazy theory about um, like grouping all these isolates together and just being like, oh yeah, sure, they're all the same thing. Um, so Mapuche, if I have it written down here somewhere, yeah. So Mapuche is this like unsupported language in, uh, on a kind of the border region between Chile and Argentina, um, it's got like a couple of 10,000 speakers uh, but it's kind of declining because of the fact that neither country wants them basically like, both countries are like oh you have them no you have them um, they're like 
essentially like related like descended from like the they've been there for thousands of years before like let's say the dominant languages like mm-hmm. Spanish and Chile and in Argentina. Um it's a really interesting language because they got into a fight like a lot of like local leaders got into a fight with Microsoft because um I think Microsoft like decided to add their language to like the let's say like the Windows mm-hmm. system. Um, which technically that's a, that's a, that's that's a great thing, right? Yeah. Um, but the problem was is that because the language has never been like standardized at all, like still yeah. completely, just no one has decided. Yeah. They decided to take like the Latin alphabet, which had still been used, like disputed as whether that should be used by yeah. the um, by like the local leaders. Were like, oh, we don't know if we want the Latin alphabet. Mm. Which and it's also again, it's like a kind of like it's strange because at the time of like the arrival of the Latin alphabet in Spanish into South America. Um, there was no written Mapuche. Mm. So they've decided, oh, we, we actually, rather, it's almost like we didn't have one, but now, now that you, we've seen years, we've actually decided we want our own now. Mm. Um, but again, because it's not supported by any like legal um, like laws whatsoever, it's anything anyone says can be disputed by anyone else. Mm. So it's really hard for the language to really um, uh, like you, like have like a standardized version. Um, one that, the two, one, two things that were interesting, it was kind of like similar to Finnish, where it has like animate and inanimate, yeah. Um, like pronouns, I think it was. Um, and then also it has three three ways of saying numbers. So in English, obviously we have like singular and plural. Um, whereas I think we were talking about this last time that they, they have a way of saying, so like you can say like we, you can say like I, and then you can say like we for all like more than two, and then yeah. there's a way of saying we for just me, like me and you, right? Yeah. So if we want if I said we and there's someone else in the room. I could say I could say we with the refrain with a way of referring to just us two and not yeah. the other person, um, and they can do this with uh, like articles as well. So they can say like the two boats without having to use the le- like the word two. They it's yeah. just a way of saying though to inc- like incorporate that um, without having to use an extra word. And then this is something that we we did in German. And I I kind of looked looked at these like what was it like what was that like German? I remember I was watching that like German um, like YouTube YouTube channel with like. Oh, the guy and the girl. Remember, <gasps> easy German. Easy German, yeah. The goats. Um, they they remember they taught me about modal. Mo, remember modal, modal particles. Yeah. Um, they these this language also was modal particles, which are pretty much never translatable into English, and um, because they just kind of give like a, a mood or a sense or like yeah. a feeling, and um, so like the 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 one in German, which was an example, was like the word ja, yeah. and ja yeah obviously means yes, um, but if you stick it into like a sentence, it just gives a sense of like. Well, obviously, like you already know this, yeah. Um, or like this word, I think this one's like Aben and Halt, which are just kind of like they're almost like it's like imagine saying like, like, die Mieten sind like Halt hoch. It's almost like the rents are like high, but like there's nothing you can do about it. It's like they're high and it's shit, we know. Um, it's almost like kind of like acceptance about it. And so, this uh, language also had like a like a like an untranslatable aspect to it, um, because like you were able to add words in that gave like a kind of sense of like mood or emotion or feeling, um, which like imagine like the German one isn't translatable into English, so like, um, this is hardly translatable into English either, um, but like I thought like I we I hadn't actually seen that in any languages so far that we've done. Mm. It seemed to be like, I looked up there like modal modal particles before we came on. I think it was like Japanese, German, Dutch. Swedish, maybe? I don't know. Do you remember? Do you have any? Can't think Easier. Mind powers. I speak it. I don't understand it. Yeah, fair. As in, like, I don't, I don't get the grammar parts behind it. Yeah. Um, And then, I know that we're doing, like, a bit of, like, a language roundabout here, but finally, we, uh, 
we wanted, or no, not finally, penultimately, we wanted to look at um, this thing called the Dene Caucasian family, right? It's like the mother of all language theories, right? Um, <laughs> it's somebody trying to basically solve languages, solve right? isolate <laughs> languages, though, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, you know, because we kind of realized that somebody, some some languages are not like everybody else, and then this guy was like, well, no, we're going to make them like everybody else and make their own language for them. Um, so this is, like, not a very popular theory, but it's almost worth mentioning because of how kind of funny it is. Um, so this is the in, the, in the supposed, in the theorized Dene Caucasian family, um, there is Basque and the dead Aquitania language that we talked about. There is Sino-Tibetan, which includes, like, Mandarin and every other bloody dialect of Chinese and Tibetan. North Caucasian... Actually, can't remember what's in there. Like Georgian, maybe. Like Georgian is North Caucasian. Oh yeah, um, Cart- no, Cart- uh, yeah, Cartelian, Cartelian, Cartvelian, Cartvelian. Yeah, there we go. There was there's the Na Dene language family, which is basically uh, two like large groups of languages in like North America and like Arizona, basically. So like Navajo would be like the most famous one, like the one you probably heard of most likely, or most likely heard of. Um, as well as a bunch of like Alaskan languages. Then there's the Burshkadi languages, which are in Pakistan, and then finally uh, the Yenisheian languages, which are this like language. These are all different isolates, like, apart from maybe Sino-Tibetan, which is just a group on its own. Um, Yenisheian languages, which are in I think the Kesh is like the only one left there, um, which is just this river valley, um, kind of like I'd say like north of like Kazakhstan in or like just in between like Kazakhstan and Mongolia, but in Siberia. Um, and so this was like theorized in the 20th century, um, almost like, like we did this thing in philosophy, right? Called in my philosophy of mind called behaviorism. And it was like, it was basically like, like it was almost like when I, when you, when you're reading it now, it's like, no, no way, no way anyone took this seriously, but it was almost like a, like a screw you to like the, the theories that came before it. It was like, well, let's just take the complete opposite idea that you had just to show how stupid it sounds when you say it, you know what I mean? Um, and so. There's actually a few shared things between these languages, but I suppose that's kind of like law, law of large numbers. You're going to find like shared things in any languages, you know? Yeah. Um, and so apparently they share, like, share, like they share, a, like just because languages like share words doesn't mean like they're related in any way. Um, but if they share like certain vocab, like let's say uh, family, na- family nouns, pronouns, um, noun- nouns for like really basic stuff, like the natural world um, or like, tools and stuff like that um animals especially so like it turns out these languages apparently share a lot of pronouns begin with m um especially like the we pronoun i think it's like the we and the i pronoun and apparently it's like often it's like, it was all like oh yeah uh they're often synthetic even though like chinese languages are like the opposite of synthetic they're like the anti-synthetic languages and then i think it was like it's basically like there's a there's a longer page when I looked at it and I was like, there's a longer, there's like a longer page being like, these are the problems with it. than there were things to like, um, support it. Um, such as like, they just wrote, like it was basically the, whoever proposes had to cherry pick yeah. shit tons of like re- reconstructed languages. Um, and be like, no, those, those reconstructed languages, like, cause they, they all, you have to go back and be like, Oh, my, my proto Basque and my proto Burst Gaddy, they're really similar. But in in doing so, you t- like basically ignore everyone else's proto Basque and proto Burishkadi that were different. Um, but actually, there was like a good thing to come out of this. There was this theory. Um, they kind of narrowed it down a little, um, and we're like, maybe okay, not all these languages are related, but maybe like a handful of them are. And so the kind of like the more evolved theory, narrower theory to come out of it was 
um, this theory that there was a relationship between the Dene languages and the Yenisean languages, which, uh, just to remind, were like the, the languages on Siberia in the Yenisei, I think it was like the, like the river valley in Siberia, and then the uh, Navajo and Alaskan languages in America. And this would have been significant if people could prove it because this is the first link between Old World and New World languages to like ever be uh, proposed. proposed, exactly, or, or like even like supported academically. Um, especially because like the land bridge is like let's say it's accepted that like people arrived in America by um, the Bering Strait in Alaska when it was a land bridge like I think it was like six thousand BC or something like that maybe like up to like ten, oh, like ten thousand BC and then like let's say by six thousand BC the land bridge was now water. Um, so this is like one of the oldest links in the world really when it comes to two different languages especially considering how far apart they are um, like opposite sides of the world pretty much um, and it's actually interesting because like these people they did like as well as doing like language testing or like just being like can we look at can we, you, you say a bunch of words and you say a bunch of words and see how similar they are they actually did like DNA tests on all of them and apparently um, they shared a lot of the same DNA especially because, like, let's say how isolated those communities are in, like, yeah. let's say Alaska and, um, and like, Siberia. And then um, the main problem was that this Yenisei River Valley, um, there's only one of those languages left out of the whole group, and it's called Ket. Um, and there's, like, very little data, and it's almost gone, and it's, it's kind of hard to really, like... Um, there's, like, one village, I think, that has, like, like, like a speaker's left. Um, and when I saw a village, it looks like something out of Borat. So I can tell kind of how like isolated it was, yeah. um, and then the other one, in complete contrast, you wouldn't think, but it was almost like this, like a, in comparison to the Yenisei River Valley, like the Navajo language and the Alaskan languages, there were so many, so many resources yeah. on that in comparison, especially recently because of probably bigger revival then. Exactly, a massive resurgence, um, in recent years. It's almost like Irish, let's say it's been on like a decline for hundreds and hundreds of years, and then maybe it's kind of like plateaued now. Maybe hopefully it's like staying still um and so look but the problem is that like again because the amount of the lack of information on the first it's hard to compare to the to the other one um yeah so i think maybe it's time to talk about liam neeson i think it is um i i need a drink of water um, do we not should we explain just about yeah we, so in in my yeah we, we'll, we'll explain that all the people the people need to know the people need to know um so nicaragua we're going to paint a picture, right? 1970s. Oh, lovely. Um, the unfortunate, uh, there was very little support for the deaf community in um, in Nicaragua. Um, most times, chances are a deaf person would never meet another deaf person. Mm. Um, they'd be like pretty much kept at home. They might develop some kind of, um, I think it was like a, I think the word was like a, like a home sign language where it was like, okay, well, the, like a parents might understand how when their child wants like needs like basic needs um of fighting the Sandinistas Edward I didn't realize your mom was that way um I thought she'd be fighting for them but um then you're there was contra. yeah <laughs> to the contra um where was I so um what happened was is that eventually just in like the late 70s before the Sandinistas took power I think they gave, might have given them extra funding but in 1977 there was the first ever uh, like special school for deaf children um, and they tried to teach them Spanish and basically the deaf children were like, no, um, they didn't speak, but they were like, um, <laughs> yeah, they were like, no, um, yeah, I know that's really good to broadcast on the radio. 
Um, and eventually, by 1983, there are 400 children in the school. And the teachers were like, we've, we've completely uh, failed at our job of teaching them. What they wanted to do was basically teach them Spanish by like, lip reading. And the children just were not taking to it whatsoever. So they called in this woman who you, you'll, hear, you'll hear from in a minute called uh, Judy Cagle um, from MIT. And she's a linguist. And she basically was like, no, you actually have succeeded. Like, you didn't mean to, but you've actually succeeded in a way you, you didn't anticipate which is that the children have now, what we're witnessing now is like the children, like the children, they basically brought this woman, this professor went in um, <clears throat> to be like, what are the children saying? Because the children are clearly like making hand signals that yeah. mean something and they're like, we have no idea what they're talking about. Um, and Judy Cagle is like, what we have here is like basically the birth of a new language. Um, maybe that's, maybe it's like, like dramatization, mm-hmm. but you're going to hear Liam Neeson. Um, so maybe it deserves to be dramatized. Um, and anyways, yeah. So first, you're gonna hear from um one of the people, one of the, like the first people who like didn't get a chance to go to this uh school where they developed their own language, and thus like as a result, as an adult, she has like very little like skills to. Yeah. She can't. She she can't even like learn. Like it's very difficult for her to even learn sign language. Anyways, um, yeah. Just one moment, please. Nicaragua, Central America. Managua. Here, as in other places of the world, there are those who hardly have any language at all. Maria Noname. Mary No Name. Deaf since birth, she has been isolated all her life, both from the people who could help her and from others with her disability. Her friend, linguist Judy Kegel, understands the depth of her isolation. The two can communicate just a little, using simple and primitive gestures. The first time I met her, she was missing the ability to tell me who she was. She was missing the ability to tell me how old she was. She doesn't know her name. In order to tell me who she was, she had to take me home and show me the papers and pictures of her family. Um, We had to share a context. She can tell me things. I can show you a bit. She can tell me what happened to her father. I asked her about her father dying, and she said three, okay? What three meant was he was shot three times. I know this from working with the other deaf signer, that she said he was shot in three places. And that's how her father died, right? Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, but, but three is just not enough to give me access to the information that I would have needed had I not had prior knowledge about that. Okay. What she's saying is, I had a daughter that went away and got married, and that was it. She never came back. I had a son that went away, and I never heard from him again. You know, that's it. I'm alone. That's my life. She was language ready. Um, The problem was she didn't get access to language within that critical period, and that critical window for learning language in the way that we learned it is closed. 
This window for language remains open until we reach age seven. Then it slowly closes as we advance towards puberty. Before the 1980s, many deaf Nicaraguans were like Mary No Name. They never encountered the window for language because they never encountered others with their disability. But in 1980, after the Nicaraguan revolution, the new government tried to enhance deaf people's lives. It brought deaf village children into Managua to end their isolation. Here, educators tried to teach them an existing sign language. The effort failed. The children showed little interest in learning a language forced upon them. Instead, they began communicating with each other in their own way. Judy Cagle was summoned from the United States to sort out the problem. I came down thinking wherever there were deaf people, there was a sign language, and that obviously there would be a, a full-blown sign language in full swing here in Nicaragua. And this, I said, well, you know, I, I can learn a bit of their sign language if that's what you want and, and work with you on learning it. They said, no, they don't have a sign language. They have, they have mimicas. They have mime gestures. And they pointed to a group of kids and said, we want to know what they're talking about. It turned out they were talking about a lot more than anyone dreamed possible. Kegel had arrived in Nicaragua shortly after the birth of a new language. Language needs company. Language needs a community. Language needs some sort of a trigger. And I think that, I think that trigger is... It's not so much that it needs a community in the sense that there have to be lots of people, but a part of being a community is wanting to share information with each other. Might this moment resemble what happened around 50,000 years ago? The turning point that led to the explosion of human creativity? Language does not need a voice. It is our legacy, an inevitability of being human. Today, we still don't know exactly when language evolved, when it opened the door to our phenomenal success as a species. This is a verb reduplicated. But language, every language, depends on strict rules, all of them familiar. That's a roll shift to looking at man looking at the bird, then back to the man falling off the mountain, have dreaming that he's going to fly like a bird. While many species can communicate, even vocalize, only human languages are driven by complex rules. Every one of our world's 6,300 languages has them. We call them syntax. In her isolation, Mary No Name never encountered syntax, but it is commonplace in the children's language. Syntax isn't the set of rules that you learned in your third grade grammar that you had to memorize so you spoke English the way you're supposed to. Syntax is, or language, the constraints on language are something that all human beings share. They're the constraints that are imparted to us by the fact that we share a single human brain. They are the 
not just the constraints, but the ability to hierarchically organize information that allows us to construct sentences, novel sentences that have never been said before, that allows us to put to to tell a story, that allows us to prophecy, that allows us to lie. I can surely communicate for communication's sake when I have syntax. Then I can truly use a language. Those most gifted with the tools of language might have been the ones to prosper, according to... Yeah, so that was uh, Liam Neeson bringing to you uh, the Nicaraguan Sign Language, which is kind of interesting because it was like a... One of the world's like... Oh, there we go. One of the world's like... For, like once One recorded instance of like a language being created. Um, Not it was on... Well, but children, so like... It was intentionally, but, but it was also natural. It was, it, was, it was required, not like it was for fun. Yeah, so, um, and it was interesting, uh, Kegel's like, method, she, she made sure to not teach them American Sign Language. Um, partly from, I'm sure, a curiosity to want to see and a new language. And don't get American. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyways, uh, we're probably going to sign off now. Uh, give We Lads Big Problems plenty of, uh, I don't know, space there. Whoever that is, I don't know. Um, we're going to have new audience members entering. Um, they don't know what they missed out on, man. Some Liam, a homage to Liam Neeson and Nicaragua. Well. Um, but we hope you all enjoyed. Next week, we think we might do a bit of like a European roundup. Albanian, Greek, and Armenian. Uh, we're three we didn't get a chance to talk about. Um, and three also maybe ones. a few wild cards in there. Well, we, we have, I think we might have two weeks, two weeks left. So um, plenty of... Plenty of time. Plenty of time and plenty of stuff left to talk about for sure. Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening. I hope you can all join us next week. Um, well, I wonder what ne what evolution we're going to make next week. We're going to add in, um, I don't know. We actually get a live interview. Or we'll actually get Liam Neeson. Yeah, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get your friend. Um, I'll maybe. get Dritro on. Yeah, on like, if Annika's still listening, if, if, if you can get in contact with Drit, because he never actually replies. So we'll get, we'll get Drit on next week <laughs> to talk. Um, yeah, so... That would be, uh, that sounds like a plan. Um, so, yeah, thank you all for listening. See you um, later. See you later.